The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to the show brought to you by The Athletic UK. And today we're going to be looking back at Fulham's 1-0 win over Cardiff City. A tough, gritty win in South Wales against Steve Morrison's little thugs at the Cardiff City Stadium. But regardless, Fulham came through unscathed. And our gap to the playoffs increases ever more with teams dropping points and that beautiful number that Fulham need to achieve to get promotion to the Premier League getting lower and lower by the week. And here to look at everything that happened in yesterday's game is Jack Kelly. Hello, everyone. Ben Jarman. Hello, everyone. And Cam Ramsey. Happy Sunday, everybody. Um, Cam Ramsey has been having a technical nightmare today. Um, I think that uh, his laptop may be on the road outside, uh, currently <laughs> being run over by a bin man or something like that because of the rage that he was in at his own uh, tech within the household. But you're here now, Cam, aren't you? I am. I am. I need some new technology, which isn't 100 years old. So maybe one day we'll get around to getting some decent tech I think you did to your laptop what Perry NG did to Ivan Cavalero in the last minute of the game yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe not that far. That was disgusting, but it was very, very close. Put it that way. Right. Let's do some three word reviews of yesterday's game before we do some analysis. Ben, what were the best ones that came in? Well, Sammy, this week we went to the Bird app for the three word reviews, the the treasure trove of all things three word reviews. So our first one is going to be PFFFC11 with Mitro makes the car difference. And then Silly Butty at Butty Bro One with Birds Feeling Blue. (laughs) Then we had Matt Wall 88 with Alexander the Inevitable. And then we had Romeo Dunn, and I really appreciate the artistic license on this one, which was he found Mitro hyphen in hyphen open hyphen space. No, I'm not having that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm on free word reviews, mate, so you are having that and be done with it. And the car difference one I've heard before. I feel like we need to up these jams. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a second chance at the end of the podcast. Okay, I'll go through again and I'll see if I can find anything slightly more up. I'm not, I'm not slating the three word reviews. I'm sure there's good three word reviews there, Jarms. I didn't give you very much notice. I feel like it's shown. I completely agree. If you don't prepare well, you prepare to fail. And, and unfortunately, I have failed in this one. But give me some more time and I'll give you some good ones. All right. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's good to know. That would be a nice little nugget for the end of the podcast. Um, Jack, let's have a look at yesterday's game. A good 1-0 win. How was the trip over to Cardiff? Yeah, it was good, actually. Um from from what I remember, I don't remember the train being so quick. One hour, 48 minutes from Paddington to Cardiff. Good I, I thought it was like two hours, 20 or something. But alas, we arrived and we went straight to... Actually, it was a bit of a, a nightmare because of the Wales-England game. So it was just full of rugby fans, which just wasn't very fun. Oh, um, rugby buggers. Yeah, we went, we went to the Spoons uh, and, then we, and then we moved over to another Spoons. We went to two Spoons for, for pre-drinks, walked to the ground got the three points and then my friend gave me a lift back so I was like okay brilliant so wow. that was quite fun but no in terms of the game um, not the best game of football you'll ever watch but Fulham yet again getting the job done with a Mitro header very much like Holloway just a better pitch and yeah I think better numbers from the Fulham fans as well 
Yeah, it was a really good turnout yesterday uh, from from the Whites. Um, good to see that Spoons is the only place where you can't uh, <laughs> mix with the rugby fans. Uh, the only place where they're immune to. Um, ben, I felt like it was an interesting lineup from Marcus Silva. We saw Seri drop back to the bench. Chalaber come in. Uh, Robinson uh, was out of the squad with Joe Bryan. But I just wanted to focus on that middle of the park. I thought Seri was really impressive against Peterborough on Wednesday so I was surprised um, to see Chalibur get the nod here plus I just thought yesterday it was a game that suited Seri nice pitch nice conditions lots of time in the middle of the park to do what he wanted could you see what Marcus Silva was trying to do there? Kind of yeah I think he wanted to go I think he anticipated that there would be much more of a fight in the middle of the park yesterday and that's why you want someone like Chalibur in there Who's that has that steely edge but can also try and create and I think he may have been worried that John Mikel Seri may have been slightly overrun. I think he had a great game against Peterborough. Again, I think for me, just slightly lacking in that, the sort of decisiveness that we normally see from John Mikel Seri. I think Peterborough was sort of shaking the rust off in an environment that allowed him loads of space to try and create something meaningful. I did think he had a great game. I loved how many dinks he produced. They were a sight to behold. And I, I don't know how many times we saw it in that game. I can maybe like two or three times in its own and and I thought he was a great source of creativity but going back to this game I thought putting Chalaba back into that that base of that midfield gave us a real big opportunity to see be sort of more steely in there and allow more freedom to the other players especially when you have Harry Wilson coming back into the side maybe slightly dipping in and out of form um, and just having Nathaniel Chalabar in there as that defensive force just allowed Wilson a little bit less pressure to go out there and perform to the uh, levels he normally does. Okay, well, a bit of explanation there, Joms. I, I certainly found it a little bit puzzling. But hey, I didn't think Chalibur played as bad as quite a few people online made out. So I know he missed a few passes in the first half, but I, I think sometimes that's not the be-all and end-all of, of someone's performance. Um, Cam, we were under the cosh, though, early in the game. Um, not necessarily in the fact that Cardiff peppered us with chances, but they did have uh, an unbelievable chance. Uh, James Collins, one-on-one uh, with Marek Rodak, and he has... Ha- come in for his critics in recent weeks. And I thought this one was definitely one for the Marek in camp. Um, it was a brilliant save. Uh, he, he stood up well and kept us in that match, going 1-0 down at that point in the game, considering how few chances were in the match in total, would have made it a really, really difficult afternoon for us. That was potentially uh, at least one, maybe even three points that Marek uh, bought us there. No, exactly. I mean, especially when you're uh, playing against a team like Cardiff, which once they get their noses in front, they're always going to make it as difficult as possible possible for you to uh, work your way back into the game. I thought the way that Marek was jolly on the spot and very, very active to the situation is testament to the underlying quality that he has as a goalkeeper. I obviously know that people are pretty divided on what he, you know, what he and Gazaniga actually can offer the team, you know, which one's the better goalkeeper out of the two. Um, but I honestly thought that, you know, affording that opportunity in the manner that he did, um, it just kind of, uh, it jogged us into a state of, uh, you know, a realisation where we actually are in the game and we can't be giving them any more, uh, any more clear-cut opportunities like like that one in particular. So, yeah, really, really impressive from from Rodak to close the space down and basically uh, get his body in the way of uh, James Collins before he could even even think about rounding rounding him to 
get an easy tap in, for example. But yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's it's a save which certainly set us up to uh, to approach them in a different way. And uh, after that, after opportunity, we 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 became a bit more compact and made it a bit more difficult for Cardiff to actually play through us um, in such a route one manner. Um, Jack, I completely forgot to ask the Wildstone Raider. What was all that about? Why was he in the Fulham end? Why was he on the train with all you guys? Um, I enjoyed that he did a prediction on the Fulhamish Pod Instagram story. And um, there's going to be some people from outside the UK, probably inside the UK, like who the hell is the Wildstone Raider? But I, we haven't got time, so just yeah. accept that it's funny. Uh, why? Yeah. When? How? Well, I got to Paddington Station. Um, and there was a load of Fulham fans. Actually, none of my friends were getting the train. So I was basically on the train on my own um, and met, met people in Cardiff. And I was just basically standing there waiting for the train, whatever. And then suddenly I see all these group of Fulham fans and the Willstone Raider just pops up. And I'm like, who are Willstone playing today? And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure they're playing behind closed doors at 5.15 kickoff. And then I'm thinking, oh, has he just come along for the away day? And then suddenly I'm on the train, get to the carriage, get to my seat. And he's just sitting next to me, like on the, on the other four on the other side. And I'm thinking... <laughs> Right. So I get talking to someone um, on the train and he said, oh, yeah, he's he's a mate of mine. He's just coming along for the away day because Will Stone are playing behind closed doors. And I thought this is brilliant because I think after about an hour of the train, people were having a few drinks and getting a little bit more confident and going up to him going, oh, can I get a picture or whatever? I was like, oh, I've got to get him on the Instagram story, get a little score prediction because they'll be sick of people going up to him saying, oh, can you say the say, say the line, Will Stone Raider? And um but yeah, it was really funny. And then I didn't see him for the rest of the day um, once I got off the train. But um, yeah, he, he popped up in the concourse. I'm sure everyone got selfies with him. Most bizarre thing ever, but I'm sure he enjoyed the away day as much as we did. Yeah, uh, what a bizarre little uh, thing to happen at a Fulham away day. Just like, you got no fans. Jarms, uh, uh, let's come on to Alexander Mitrovic, who I feel like had a almost Romelu Lukaku performance in the first half. He touched the ball about three times, but his fourth touch, fortunately, um, was him sticking it in the back of the net. A good short corner routine, uh, a nice cross for, from Harry Wilson. And yes, he found Mitro in open space, which is what everyone's been waiting waiting for, uh, for a little while and 34 for the season. What more can you say? Uh, one of your three word reviews was Alexander, the inevitable. That is his name now, isn't it? It's, it's, it's gone beyond talking point. Almost Alexander Mitrovic scores. You just run out of superlatives for the guy, don't you? I mean, there are so many doubters towards Mitrovic at the start of the season. You have so many doubters now on Instagram that, have, or, or on social, or on Twitter that have no idea about the quality of Alexander Mitrovic and still say stupid things like, but he can't do it in the Premier League though, can he? <laughs> and I think it's very, very clear based on this performance, even with the slimmest of pickings in that first half, that the devastation that he can cause is, as the guy rightly points out, inevitable. And I think that the finish from Mitrovic was, was class. It was very composed. And I, I loved the movement beforehand. One of the things that I think is very clear that Marco Silva has worked on in his time away from, from football uh, and the time away from English football in the very least is that he's been working a lot on set pieces, both defensively and, and in the attacking frame of, of mind as well. And there was so much movement at that corner. The fact that they had double marked Alexander Mitrovic and he still found space at the back post to then cushion a volley away really undermines how well Fulham have been coached at set pieces. And I think that it's Mitrovic's ability to understand and be flexible with with these uh, set pieces and the instructions around it that make him so lethal in the box 
And I thought that actually Fulham needed to go into a bit of a bag of tricks at the end of that first half to start opening the, opening the story. And because, as we said, he'd been limited to, to very, very few touches. Cardiff had been mostly very rigid. They'd been very difficult to break down at times. And it took a short corner that looked like it was slightly botched when you look at the back of the highlights. You think, oh God, what's going on here? We're, we're mucking around with it. And I could just imagine the away end going, get it in that box before it actually goes in there. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, when it, when it comes in, it's, it's a sublime ball to the back post in that corridor of uncertainty that everyone, everyone hates, especially the goalkeepers. And it's a, it's a wonderful cushion volley. So um, well done all round from the boys and, and a great finish from Mitrovic, as you say, up to 34 for the season now. Yeah, and up to 22 goals uh, from set pieces this season. Uh, I shamefully nicked that stat off the Athletics' Peter Rutzler uh, earlier. And um, of course, uh, Peter has written all about our different uh, set piece goals on the Athletic, which you can read right now. Uh, £1 a month for the first six months if you sign up to the Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. Um, Cam, in your positives and negatives piece on the website, you touched on on uh, Tim and Tosin and how um, impressive they were at the back yesterday. They've had their moments. Um, It was a particularly uh, poor moment uh, to concede that Peterborough goal on Wednesday in particular. They've had a few of those, but yesterday I just thought they were immense. I thought some of the clearances that Tosin did, some of the just anticipation of Tim Ream, I just thought it was Tim and Tosin at their very, very um, highest peak yesterday and uh, yeah I thought what you wrote about them on the uh, positives and negatives article was, was spot on Cam No I mean like, like I say I mean it's it's just cooperation between the two and they've had their moments where they've uh, they, they really haven't been talking to each other you could tell communicationally um, especially when I've seen them anyway uh, Tossin's always gesticulating and always you know trying to rally the troops and he actually gets a bit irate with some of the players sometimes as well and I think it just goes down to keeping your composure in situations. And yesterday we saw it between Tim and Tosin, the way that they just bounced off one another and one would stick and one would press. And um, I, I just think the line yesterday was held very, very well, especially in the last uh, 15 minutes or so when, uh, you know, the Alamo was thrown into into the mix from from Cardiff and they really were peppering our, uh, our penalty area of aerial bombardments and just... Uh, just a positioning from both of them to be in the right areas at the right time um, to clear and, you know, banish the dangers, which was impending anyway. It was just a joy to watch, you know, because we go through weeks where Tim Ream will be absolutely, you know, purring that he can't put a foot wrong and all of a sudden he goes for a spate where he, everything he does is just slated. And I'm, you know, I'm culprit to that as well from giving him some hard stick when I write my articles. But I think it helps... Tim having a player like Tossin next to him, which is just such a calm, cool, collected uh, distributor. And also as a no-nonsense defender when it gets down to it as well. I hear what people say that he does dive into challenges maybe a little bit too much and he's a bit irrational. But uh, yesterday against a physical squad like Cardiff, we needed somebody just to uh, up the ante a little bit defensively. And both of them, um, I I thought, um, were an excellent duo. And uh, it's something to definitely work on. It's a clean sheet, which will, in in no doubt do do both of them in the world of good moving on to uh you know Saturday's game against Blackburn. Yeah, and uh your next kind of bit, Cam, was uh, grinding out dubs, which I enjoyed as the uh subtitle to your next um positive in the article. And, and Jack, it's quite 
interesting, really, how Fulham have suddenly turned from January smashing every side by seven or six, and now Marco kind of fancies winning them 1-0. Uh, it's a bit of a transition. I was wondering, maybe is this because with the league getting closer and closer to the finish line, Fulham getting more and more imperious, really teams are just seeing Fulham next game and just really shutting it down, trying to hold on to a point and maybe teams uh, before when Fulham hadn't been quite so imperious were, were thinking they had a chance or they could attack us. And now it is literally, right, let's just batten down the hatches. We saw it against Hull. We saw it kind of against Peterborough as well. We should have won by more really with the chances we created, but still it was difficult to create clear-cut opportunities. Again, yesterday against Cardiff, it wasn't the easiest. Millwall also, um, I felt like, kept us to quite limited opportunities too. Maybe it's a good sign that actually in the next month or so, we do have a few tougher teams to play in a way because they might come out and attack us and, and allow Fulham to make more opportunities because they're not just going to be putting 11 men behind the ball. No, I think I think that's a good point actually, and I think that um, with um, that sort of one nil scoreline is sort of a reflection on the mentality of what you just spoke about in terms of how the opposition are going to um, try and play against us. Um, it's almost like they're playing a bit better defensively; they're they're shutting us down, they're um, restricting us to chances, but we have that extra bit of quality to get that one goal. That is the, that is the the fine margin difference. Um, to get the three points. And I sort of understand that from from like Cardiff's point of view, from Hull's point of view. Um, and, and look, we, we're going to have off days where we're not going to be at our flying best, but we still get the job done. And winning when you haven't played well is is one of the most satisfying things in football. And I sort of want to compare this Fulham team a little bit in, in terms of the 1-0 wins, the, the, the grinding out dubs, as, as Cameron says, to that Brighton team under Hewton where they won the... I think they won promotion, they got into top two, but they weren't at their spectacular best all the time. They, th- there were a lot of games they won by very, very small margins, fine margins, um, one goal TM. games. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting one. I feel like you have, sort of have to have the balance of, of both sort of worlds in, in the championship. You can be that free-flowing team and then also you can grind out those results. That's extremely important if you want to win the league and if you want to go up as champions. And we're seeing characteristics of that from Marco Silva, who obviously is a manager who likes to play on the front foot, free flowing football. And yeah, it's just good to see one nil wins are great. And, you know, obviously we would have probably wanted to score more like we did against, like, like we would, would have wanted to against Hull and Cardiff yesterday, but yeah, it's three points. I'm not going to complain. I, I said, literally, I say every match day, I'll take one nil because it's three points and a clean sheet. It is great. Although for some of us that have the hundred goals bet, um, I'm yeah. starting, <laughs> I'm starting to get a little like, okay, guys, uh, it's, it's all been fun. I've really enjoyed the one nils, but I, I, you know, I really would quite like us to get to the hundred. We're on eighty two. <laughs> please, could we not top? Yeah, could we not good. top out at eighty? Please, can we actually get the job done? Yeah. <laughs> for some of us that have got money riding on this, please. Um, Jarms, do you think um, there's a, a, a uh, been a gear change or anything different about Fulham with the fact that that the the na- the margins of victory are getting narrower or game games are getting tighter is this a Fulham change or do you think it's an opposition change and it's because of the the caliber of opposition we've been facing really um or is it just you know streaks these things happen and we you know we went on a bit of a mad run in January we're now just on a bit more of a normal run 
Yeah, I think that there's a mixture of both to completely sit on the fence. You get games where you massively outscore your XG like we did against Blackburn and then you have the massive wins. And then you get games like we did against Peterborough where you massively underscore your XG and it's just a kind of, it's just down to individual performance. I think there is slightly a hint of Fulham play with the handbrake on. And I definitely felt that against Peterborough on, on Wednesday night when we sat there, Sammy. And we spoke about this quite a lot in the stands that it felt like Fulham weren't really getting out of anywhere sort of like beyond second or third gear. And Peterborough were trying their hardest to keep Fulham contained, even in that second or third gear. And it just sort of felt like we could definitely notch it up a tad or two if we really wanted to. But it was almost like they knew the game would be wrapped up. And it was one of those games that, you know, on a Sunday league, when you go in and you're top of the league and the team you're playing is bottom of the league and they've got like one win all season, you know you're going to win it. It's just about a stroll in the park. And I feel like Fulham have gone into a few games recently where it's been like that. Whereas when we came back off that break and then went on that mad scoring run, I felt like we had a point to prove. It could be that Fulham feel like this point is already proven. Mm. Um, and we just need to up it again now. I think that, as you say, we've got a really tough run of fixtures coming in now with teams that are in and around the playoffs and, and certainly have aspirations to end up in the playoffs at the end of the year. So it's up to us to kick it back up again now. It's up to players that are you know, on the edge of finding form to find that form. And it's, on the, on, it's up to those players that are slowly getting back to form to really up it now. Like the, the likes of Harry Wilsons, who ha- has been very streaky throughout the season. I, this is not a criticism of him. Every player dips into that form. But Harry, he streaks massively, scores goals and goals and goals and assists loads and then goes quiet by his own admission as well. Um, and I think it's up to players like him to to get back up to that standard of form. I'd like to see Niskin kick on again because he went through a really big purple patch with, with some great influence on the team. And then against Peterborough, again, I thought he was really starting to he was a bit lacklustre at times, I felt. And and it's up to him and and players of that ilk to really step up again because for me, the worrying trend, although we are, as we said, 11 points clear at the top of the league um, and, and there's a significant gap, it could quite easily turn into the Alexander Mitrovic show again for the end of the year like it did a couple of years ago. And it's up to other players now to start chipping back in. It's up to Fabio to start scoring those goals. It's up to Bobby and Neeskins and Harry and Tom Kearney and those kind of guys to start chipping in with goals again now because it, it does become a one-man show and we need to avoid that. Yeah. Um, before we finish, Cam, I just wanted to touch on some of the uh, the tactics employed by Cardiff yesterday. I mean, it was borderline. Oh, it was borderline disgraceful. Um, almost assaults on Fabio Carvalho. There was the elbow in the last minute from from Perry Engi on, on <laughs> Ivan Cavallero. It was just, it was just the referee completely lost control of the match. Was was the main criticism really? Um, he did eventually show Will Volks a yellow card for about the third time after he'd um, just completely wiped out Fabio Carvalho. I guess it's just one of those things to be expected. They couldn't touch us in terms of quality, so they they felt that the only way they could get to us was by trying to trying to be physical and thuggish really that uh, thuggish is the main word that was that was my main takeaway from the way they played yesterday particularly in that second half no exactly that i mean just a bunch of reprobates aren't they running around the pitch wanting to cause harm <laughs> to people for no reason whatsoever and it's all down to the fact that they like you say they couldn't match us on the pitch they can uh they couldn't withstand the way that we approached them after we got our goal of course uh 
obviously they threw a lot at us in the last 15 minutes, but as the ticket, as the minutes were ticking on, that's when the dirty tactics started to come out. And that's when you started to see uh, potential leg breakers and, you know, MMA style, uh, style windmill, bloody elbows flying into even Caballero's face, which is absolutely outrageous. I don't know how an official didn't see that um, retrospectively. I mean, Perry um, NG really should have a lengthy ban coming his way because it wasn't like, you know, it was a a rogue flailing arm just out of nowhere. I mean, he was standing on the edge of his 18 alone. He saw Ivan, you know, sidling up to him, um, just closing, you know, possession, holding a little bit more territory. He knew what he was doing straight away. It was, it, it was just a, it was poleaxing, wasn't it? And you watched it in absolute disbelief because you're sitting there going, this is a professional football player in front of thousands and thousands of fans acting like an absolute wally, you know, and you don't, you don't, you don't get that in any other, in, in any other sport at all. And this isn't, this isn't the first time Cardiff have employed that kind of, uh, that kind of approach when they're not getting things their own way. They are a team which are anti-football in my mind, and they are just a glorified rugby team, which will go out and absolutely, uh, absolutely steamroll players for the sake of um, for the sake of getting a little bit of joy themselves you know it's it's just so strange and I really hope that we don't have to play them again for another couple of years because it's just so infuriating to watch as a football establishment because they're not even close to to being to being a professional standard in my eyes it's just such a weird club <laughs> well, that is uh, two Welsh rugby uh, teams that lost to their English counterparts yesterday. So uh, always enjoyable to see. Um, final thing on the match, uh, James Wilson said, I'm probably too late for this, but if there's any way the club would let you use the audio from FFC TV, replaying and discussing gentlemen Jim's arguing live on air with a Cardiff fan, that would be awesome. Um, oh, we won't great. be allowed to use the audio, but he won't have to go far on Twitter to find it. It's sensational. <laughs> He had some bogan sitting behind him just going absolutely mental with the fact that the referee didn't see it. It doesn't matter, you, you goon. Like, <laughs> it's so funny to it hear. It was so good. He, I honestly thought at one point Jim was going to put down the microphone and just launch himself out of the press box and like fight this guy. You just hear, you just hear GJ go, right, you're coming in, but just love himself for him. That was so good. Oh my <laughs> word. Cause I, I don't know if it was that the Cardiff fan could hear Jim's commentary and then, you know, Jim was giving the Fulham perspective and the Cardiff fan was saying like, shut up, mate. But it was, it, it was like being in the stands. It was gentleman Jim at his absolute finest. That is um, Jim through and through. And uh, I very much enjoyed hearing that. And yeah, if you haven't heard it yet, seek it out on Twitter, type in Gentleman Jim. I'm sure uh, there's a couple of people that have clipped up the audio there because, yeah, it is very, very funny. Right, we'll take a break there and afterwards we'll get into some of your questions. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Kelly. Hello. Ben Jarman. Hello. And Cam Ramsey. Hi. Right, let's do some <laughs> questions from the mailbag. Uh, what came in uh, today? Uh, we'll start with this one from PFFC11. Uh, he said, Sammy, question for the pod. Theoretical at the moment, obviously. If we go up, would you want Brentford to go down now and we avoid them or at least say we played them and beat them in the Premier League? Or would you not want to even have them the chance to say the same thing? Um, Jack, I'll, I'll start with you on this. I know which camp I'm firmly in. I don't know. It's a bit weird um, because do you want them in the Prem so that if we do go up, 
And we got this, we got, we, those are two massive fixtures. Um, and the bragging rights will be so much bigger than obviously in the championship because it's obviously a higher division. And on the other hand, they're on such bad form that they genuinely could probably still go down. And that would be really funny. So then we could obviously reverse the bees up, Fulham down to Fulham up and then bees down. But um, <laughs> Bees down, Fulham up, surely. Bees <laughs> down, Fulham up. Yeah, I, I don't really... I don't really care because if you think about it, it's like Brentford's another London away, which saves a bit of money. But then them being down and us being up would also be really fun. I suppose, yeah, that would be the better of the two. But a crunch game at Craven Cottage and Legoland for in the Premier League would be, <laughs> would be really good value. And if we, obviously if we won, it'd be, it'd be amazing. Um, on a slightly related note, Jarms, uh, Will Kemp in the Fulhamish community uh, asked, by the way, the Fulhamish community is uh, a lot of fun. Uh, do join all the details in the community section of the Fulhamish website. Uh, you can be on a Telegram chat uh, with us and fellow Fulhamish fans. Uh, we're having a lot of fun on there. And there is a 90 day free trial uh, if you sign up in the next few weeks. Anyway, Will Kemp asks a question for the pod. When we go up, who would you like to come up with us? Personally, I would love to see Luton come up and based on recent performances Huddersfield deserve it too uh, I guess this is a bit of a mixed question of maybe who you'd like to come up or who you think deserves to come up I guess Jams yeah. interpret it in whatever way you'd like um, I think from a purely personal point of view I'd really love it if Luton came up because I think that would be one of the biggest success stories that you you have in football at the moment in that Luton years and years ago were on the verge of bankruptcy. They were deducted 30 points, then 15 points, then 12 points, if memory serves me right. And they went all the way down from uh, League One back into uh, the conference and have slowly worked their way back through the divisions. And to see them do that with the squad that they have and the wage structure they have in place. So they currently can only pay players uh, £6,000 a week maximum in the championship. Um, and they're under very strong um, spending constraints. They're owned by their fans in, in conjunction with uh, a couple of quite wealthy people from the local community. All their sponsors are still local community sponsors. I'd quite like to see Luton do it. I know a lot of people in the, in the Fulham supporters uh, circles love doing the away day as much as they love to hate it. Uh, you know, Kenilworth Road is a very uh, strange place. It's got a lot of character, obviously walk between the two buildings to get into into the away stand and it's like harking back to the old days, I guess. So I would kind of like to see Luton come up because they do play good football and their manager, um, Nathan Jones, is a, is a good bloke. Uh, I would also like to see te a team like Sheffield United come back up, potentially Middlesbrough. Um, and I'd like to see Blackburn come up as well, just for the nostalgia, really. Um, I think that Sheffield United have been a, quite an exciting prospect since um, their new manager came back in charge. I think a lot of people wrote him off because he had had a couple of spells elsewhere where he wasn't great. Middlesbrough have really kicked on since they've got they've got Wilder, and I know there's a lot of Fulham fans across across the fan base that love Wilder and the way he plays football. Uh, and it would love to see uh, Chile's biggest marksman and and South America's face of Pepsi back in the Premier League with Blackburn. That would be great. <laughs> so basically, every team other than Bournemouth and QPR, you'd be happy <laughs> yeah. to get promoted. Well, actually, yeah, now you've said it like that, I really could have just shortened that um, answer by about roughly 95% by saying, yeah, anyone apart from QPR, 
uh, Bournemouth, Millwall goes without saying, like no one wants them anywhere near the Premier that's League. Uh, and, and yeah, like and yeah, that's just it really. I mean, I never want to see Sunderland back in the Premier League, but I don't think they're any in danger of, of that happening at the moment. So that's fine. Fulham Transfers says, uh, Cam, I think this would be a good one for you. Uh, he says, with Fab all but gone in the summer and promotion to be confirmed, oh, I don't like it, but okay. Do you think Sonny Hilton should be given some minutes towards the end of the season? He's had an incredible season. The under-23 captain, congratulations to the under-23s, by the way, for winning uh, the PL2 second division uh, with... In st- astonishing pomp, uh, you've got to say. Um, but anyway, he's had an incredible season. He's the under-23s captain and scored some brilliant goals. Could he be a ready-made replacement for Fabio? Yeah, he's a saucy player, isn't he? And Fulham seems to have a uh, have a knack of putting uh, young players into the limelight at the end of the season just so they can get their, their massive, uh, you know, tribunal moves to, to Liverpool inevitably. But I don't see why we shouldn't give him an opportunity. He's worked tremendously hard with uh, Steve Wigley's side over the last year or so. And obviously they've wrapped up things super early. Um, and he's just oozes class. I mean, we seem to have a pool of players at Motswa Park at the moment, you know, from ranging from even 16 years of age up to 20 years of age, of course, when you take in the likes of Stansfield and such, which in my eyes are just gunning to get themselves out on the pitch in the championship in the last couple of games. It all depends on where we are, how the table stands um, with a couple of games to go. But I'd love to see him out there pulling strings and have a bit of fun with the players and bedding himself into Marco Silva's plans for the Premier League next year because, you know, he's a player which excites me a lot. You know, you watch him and he just pulls strings for fun. Um, He's a tricky character as well. And he's got a perler in him too. So I'm, I'm all for it. I don't see why not. And um, I'm sure if he makes a step up, there's plenty of other players that will be looking at the way that we've uh, we've pushed young players through the development system recently and think, you know what? Fulham are going to give us an opportunity. So let's, uh, let's put everything we've got into performing on a youth stage and see where it takes us. Uh, we have a question here from Nick Potts, uh, Jack, who says, which out of contract players should be given new deals at the end of the season? So we do have uh, several players um, out of contract, the likes of Niskins Cabano's out of contract. You've got Tim Ream out of contract. John Mikel Seri is out of contract. And then kind of like further down the pecking order, players like Michael Hector, Alfie Mawson. So which players, and I guess at this point you have to presume a promotion, um, would you be offering contracts to for next season? First of all, try and get Fabio signed down. Oh, yes. Right, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, his, his, he wants to go somewhere else or he, he, he may want to go to Liverpool still. Uh, I'd still offer him a, a big bumper deal and, and try and tempt him to stay because he'll have his place in the team. Cabano, obviously, think he can make the step up to the Premier League. think he deserves it. Works the system very well. Silva loves him. Uh, and then, um, oh, yeah, Johnny Kelseri, he, he did that brilliant interview in the week saying he wants to keep Fulham in the Premier League. Apparently, like, he's only going to sign off if we go up. So, I mean, if we do go up, then um, he will sign the contract, hopefully. Uh, he will be brilliant in the Prem. And then you sort of think, well, Michael Hector's magic, I don't know. Maybe not. Like, he can go on a free. He'll probably go back to like, Sheffield Wednesday if they go up. So, I mean, it's quite inevitable. Uh, but but then a player like Alfie Mawson, the money we paid for him, it'd be a bit annoying to let him go on a free. I mean, that's like 20 million down the drain. Um, I think no, that's inevitable. I think it's happening. Yeah, though, sadly. yeah. I mean, he's uh, also got one knee. 
Yeah. So, and what about Tim Ream? Like, is Tim Ream going to play in the Premier League next season? Probably not. It'd be disrespectful to release him without signing a contract because obviously, like, he's been such a, a a great member of the club for so many years. But he might just want to go to the MLS to finish off his career. I think that would make sense for all parties. But I would feel wrong to like just release him. I'd at least offer him a one year deal and maybe even like a part time like coaching role with with the unders maybe. Um, yeah. Because I feel like he, I feel like he's such a part of the Fulham family that he needs to be in and around the club still a little bit like Kevin McDonald was. Obviously, he's now at Dundee. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see Tim Ream stick around it in one way or another next season. But yeah, apart from that, I think I think everyone else can um, can can go really. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing with Tim Ream for me, I think you almost had to let Tim make the decision, right? What mm. do you want to do? you probably aren't going to be starting most games in the Premier League next season, but we really value you. Do you want to stay here? Do you want to move somewhere else? Do you want to get your coaching badges? Do mm. you kind of want to be um, back up in the Premier League next season? What do you want to do? I think that seems like the sensible move um, mm. for me with Tim Ream. Um, ben, one on our midfield pairing, uh, this one from Ollie said, I've been thinking this for a few weeks now and do think it may be time to see what I think will be our strongest midfield pairing of Seri and Chalabar. I think these two would be the best of both worlds for us. I like Reed, but in the final third, his end product is lacking. Uh, what's your thoughts on Ollie's suggestion Ooh. there? I quite like it, Seri and Chalabar. It could definitely work for me. Um, I don't know. I think for me, Chalabar is almost as big as an enigma as Josh Onimer because he's sat there, got clearly got a lot of quality in both sides of the pitch, but you always wish he could do more. Um, and Chalabar sort of, I feel like he plays at 90% every single, every single game because he's had so many injury problems over the years that he doesn't want to get injured again. That's my feeling about Chalabar. And I, I always feel like he can offer so much more in the same way that Onima can do exactly the same. My my favourite midfield pairing would be Seri and Reed, but switch the other way around. With Seri just doing the... Um, with being a little bit more offensive, get him higher up the pitch and let let Reed do what he's really good at and what he's comfortable at, which is being sat at the base of that midfield and distributing or breaking up play. I, I One thing that we've seen recently in the fan base is that Reed is getting quite a lot of slack for the way he plays and people are saying he's not a great player, he can't do this, he can't do that. One thing you know about Harrison Reed is he has a lot more strengths and weaknesses and he has to be played in the right area, in the right formation. Otherwise, it's the same with any player. If you put Tom Kearney in centre-half, people would be going out there and saying he's not a centre-half. If, <laughs> if you put Harrison Reed in the eight or in the ten, he's not going to play well because he's not an eight or a ten, he's a six. So I think, I think that's, that is one of my main concerns when we go up to the Premier League is how are we going to transition that midfield into, into the division above? Because Premier League midfields are just, to, to use a bit of a meme phrase, are built different. <laughs> and it's it's a mixture of creativity, power and pace in every single one of those midfields. And I don't think that anyone in the squad currently has all three of those in, in a huge amount of abundance. And in, in a wider team picture, I don't feel like this Fulham team still has enough lightning pace to cope with the Premier League. You look at like the teams that are down the bottom now, a lot of them just aren't very quick across the pitch. And the players that are in those teams in the likes of Emmanuel Dennis, for example, has got, I think it's upwards of eight goals this season. He's rapid. But there are players in there that, you know, Fulham will toil and 
make great opportunities in that. But if you don't have a lightning quick player, I think you really suffer in a Premier League. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break there. And afterwards, we're going to look ahead to the fixtures that face us in March. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack, Jarms and Camram. Let's look ahead then to a few fixtures coming up in March for Fulham. Uh, a, a slightly more difficult month. I wouldn't exactly say it's uh, a set of fixtures that uh, sticks fear right into the centre of your heart, but still a couple of tricky ones in there. So we face Blackburn Rovers at home on Saturday. Then it's a trip to Swansea City, which is one of our rearranged games, one of our games in hand. So a very important game there. Then it's a trip up to Oakwell to face Barnsley, who have been a little bit resurgent of late. Then it's a trip to the Hawthorns uh, before hosting Nottingham Forest on the 19th of March, which could be moved, by the way, if they get to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. However, the scenario that we really want is, so Nottingham Forest play Huddersfield in the fifth round of the FA Cup. If Forest uh, lose to Huddersfield, so Huddersfield progress to the quarterfinals, they're supposed to play Bournemouth on the 19th of March. Mm. There is nowhere for that game to be played in the uh, after the international break for Bournemouth. So good luck uh, for Scott Parker with that <laughs> fixture pile up. They will have 11 games to play in 36 days. Um, so come on Huddersfield, mostly so we don't have to have our game rearranged, but mostly just to see what on earth Bournemouth do to fit in uh, that match. Uh, it will be a hell of a fixture schedule, although to be fair, they've probably got the squad to uh, to cope with it. I mean, Jack, you look at that month, I felt like February was really a big month for us to kind of get ourselves ahead. It was mm. nearly 100%. Obviously the Huddersfield game was, was the blip in there. I feel like that's, I, I look at the first four fixtures, Blackburn, Swansea, Barnsley and West Brom and look at all of them and think we, there's no reason we can't win those games. Forest, yes, is a bit more difficult. They do feel mm. like a good team, but I don't think this is a this is a month that really terrifies me. No, there's a couple of banana skins in there. I think I can see the Blackburn game going very similar to the Huddersfield game, a team who are inside the playoffs and can make it quite difficult. And if they do, I'm not sure about Brereton Diaz. I'm, I'm not sure if he's back from injury or he's... I don't think he will so, be, no. I think he sustained quite a long-term injury, which is obviously yeah. quite good news for us. I wouldn't underestimate West Brom because they still... I mean, they're 13th, which is madness, but they're still in the mix, I suppose, because they've got a game in hand, obviously, tomorrow night against Swans, who, of course, we also play as well. Well, like, best team in the league, apparently, according to the Swansea fans, because they have... 80% possession every game don't do anything with it so interesting <laughs> Scott um, Parker <laughs> Russell Martin yeah he's been taking some tips from Scotty P and then who else yeah Barnsley interesting one Barnsley beating a Middlesbrough team Saturday three goals to two a real shock scoreline that's two wins in a row after the win against Hull and you just get the feeling that Barnsley could pull off another great escape uh, depending on obviously what Reading do over the next few weeks but yeah in terms of the fixtures I'm I'd like to think there's a couple wins in there at least. I think we can go to Swans and win. Um, I think we can go to Barnsley and win. I think West Brom will be tough, but I think obviously we're a better team than West Brom. It's been shown throughout the whole season. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about this uh, little run of uh, fixtures. Yeah, I mean, Cam, obviously people are starting now to look at when, not if 
uh, certainly about automatic promotion, um, but not the title. And we had this uh, tweet from Darren Brown, uh, not uh, the one that you're thinking of, uh, <laughs> who said, no third place team can now exceed 93 points, even with a 100% record for the rest of the season, which he says, rightly so, is extremely improbable. So his calculations are eight wins from our last 13 fixtures and automatic promotion is ours. And then he says desperately wants us to go up as champions, though. Um, Is your focus starting to look at the league title, not just automatic promotion? Is are we daring to dream that far? 70 points does feel like a heck of a milestone. Why can't we have a little bit of a, you know, daydream while we're um, we still got 13 games to go. It's still a very long way to to go. And there's going to be a lot of. uh, trials and tribulations before the end of the season. But if I'm going to be brutally honest, I mean, I don't really look ahead of the next game. I'm, I'm a stickler for that. I like to take each game as it comes. Let you think and, talking. Um, yeah, that's it, mate. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally just uh, trying to scale each, uh, each obstacle head on as and when they, as and when it gets to, as and when it gets to you, basically. But I don't see I don't see us having a major slip up in any way, shape or form, of course. I mean, we've only lost five games this entire season anyway. Um, obviously, when we have lost, it's uh, been pretty unceremonious where we've just kind of, you know, um, fizzled out of proceedings. But I still think there's enough in this team to get eight wins out of 13 games. Of course, you know, it's going to be a hard slog towards the end of the season where teams are going to be completely up in the ante and wanting to cause an upset and to completely spoil the party for us. But, but yeah, I mean, if you're looking for you know the longer picture, of course, I'm, I'd love us to go up as champions. I mean, even second, it will be fairly sour, but it's still an automatic, and you're not dragged into the whole um, sweatiness of uh, Wembley football and uh, biting your nails like an absolute <laughs> idiot every time some you know a team gets in your penalty area. But for me, I'm just looking ahead to Blackburn at the weekend and seeing how we fare there and cutting them off from a potential uh, push for an automatic place, basically. Yeah. And um, there's also a great uh, chart on Twitter, which I found from uh, Chris Frank at Cottage Analytic. Uh, if you want to follow him where he's kind of got Fulham's progress to mathematical champions and automatic promotions, and you can see the two lines. So there's Fulham's points total going up the chart. And then you can see the green line of what Fulham need mathematically to get automatic promotion. Mm. And they are, they are converging closer and closer together. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of charts, this is one to, get you excited get you in I the love, mood i love um, lines lines oh, are great mate, if you if you love lines <laughs> these are the lines for you they're multicolored as well um, love it yeah it's, it's beautiful beautiful lines uh, and that should do for today's podcast um thank you very much for listening and putting up with our nonsense as per usual uh Ben Jarman, just before we finish, we just need to name the podcast. I said earlier that you needed to, you know, go back to the drawing board, see what you could do, dust yourself down and go again. So what have you found from the three world reviews that you'd like to put up forever on the masthead of this podcast and name it? Well, I dug back into the archives with the help of a few of the lads on the podcast. and We got a few more. So we got Chris Jetta's South Wales scrap. We had Jack like Kelly's Mit- Mitro the Diff. Uh, and we had Aaron Wise's fire breathing Draganovich. It's got to be that. Um, <laughs> fire breathing Draganovich. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, I'm not. It's great. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know about that one. Um, but then also within the comments, the amount of um, 
artistic liberation for uh, found Metro in an open space. I think I think it has to be done with something, something to do with that because Harry Thanks Wilson for putting up for me, guys, and uh, yeah, space. have a good rest of your Sunday. Okay. You know, it has caught on to an extent. <laughs> It's course on amongst Fulhamish people. We also got this, um, actually, but worth playing this now. We got this video from uh, Elia Co on Twitter, um, who just tweeted us randomly on Thursday, uninvited, um, at Fulhamish Pod, the song can't get out of our heads. It's him and two of his mates on a ski slope singing the, uh, the, Harry, the Harry Wilson Mitrovich song. We found Mitro in an open space. We found me in open space. We found me in open space. We found me in an open space. <laughs> it is the best thing ever. Elio and friends on whatever gorgeous ski slope that you're on. Uh, thank you for sending in your rendition of uh, You Found Metro in Open Space. So speaking of charms, is that what we're going to go for for the pod name? Something along the lines of Metro's Open Space, taking the best bits of some of the three word reviews that, that came in to, to form something better? Uh, yeah, we'll go for that. Okay, there we go. Metro's open space. We've um, we've slightly broken the rules, but I guess you know it has to be three words. And if people suggested it, it's kind of like butchering it together. And it is such an astonishing song that um, yeah, let's go for that. A, a joint collaborative effort on today's podcast name. Uh, thank you very much to my guest Jack Kelly. Love to sing the blues. Fulham win, Chelsea lose. Very, very good. Cam Ramsey, thank you. Thanks for putting up for me, guys. And uh, yeah, have a good rest of your Sunday. No worries. I am sending you a new laptop in the post. And Ben <laughs> Jarman, thank you. Thank you very much, Sammy. I'm off to finish off a chickpea and cauliflower curry and <sighs> some paratha. So uh, we'll all be enjoying that one. Nice. Cheers, guys. Have a great start to your week. Come on, your whites. Cheers.